Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel from the most fascinating people in our business community from all over our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson. Your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And today, we're going to learn from a gentleman who is really angry. And he's, he's not angry like most of us, you know, angry because he's mistreated or slighted at work, or the government is taking his hard-earned dollars. No, no, no. Phil Duke holds a righteous anger at management and the whole business community for the total incompetence and criminal neglect of the safety that is killing our American workers. And they are dying at the rate of 13 per day. Uh, Hardworking people, for a total of 4,695 people killed in this past year in workplace accidents in the U.S. And if they listen to Phil LaDuke, foremost authority on workers' safety, CEO of Rockford, Rockford Green International, they might have been able to save themselves a lot of grief. And if they had read his, I know my shoes are untied, mind your own business, an iconoclast view of worker safety, and his many other writings, I think they could do a lot better. And because Phil is right here now to show you how our workplace safety can do a lot better. So whether you're a CEO of an international manufacturer who sees laborers as his firm's prime asset, like Paul, or you're an outdoor adventure uh, business entrepreneur ever trying to give your guides and clients the best and safest experience, like uh, Lance. Pull your chair up a little closer. Join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Phil, I'm really glad that you could uh, break free from your prolific speaking and, and your writing schedule to enlighten us today. Well, no rest for the wicked, Bart. <laughs> That's what they tell me. And uh, heaven, my wife's husband should know. Uh, Phil, in your excellent book, I Know My Shoes Are Untied, Mind Your Own Business, you noted that the workplace uh, – now, that book was written uh, in – that was your first book, and that was written in 2000 or at least the statistic was 2010 with the 4,695 workers. And you said it was a big spike. So give us an update. For this joyous holiday season of 2018, are workplaces better or worse? Unfortunately, they're trending a little worse as far as fatalities go. But as far as incidents go, they see good news because that rate is coming down. But that's deceiving hmm. because they are. there's many companies that use that rate as a criteria for – or criterion, I should say – for – awarding business. So if you are Ah. supplying a large company, you have a vested interest in underreporting. And some of that is deliberate and some of that is not deliberate. Um, But when your workers know that if the injury rate goes too high, they're out of work, they tend to to, uh, conceal that. Or if you throw a safe bingo or a pizza party, or even in some cases give a bonus, for no ah. injuries, what you get, you're, in, you're de facto doing is awarding, not reporting injuries. And so it's, oh a, it's a big problem. God. Oh, my gosh. I, I hadn't even realized that, but, of course, it makes such sense. Oh, Lord. Phil, 
just to get uh, the the business community's attitude as it is now, uh, on a scale of 1 to 100. Now, I'm going to say that managers rank profits uh, with 100 interest points, and, and they probably rank uh, keeping their high-producing talent happy and motivated. Oh, I'd say that gets about 80 interest points. Now, tell me, where does workplace uh, safety rank? Uh, that is keeping your staff alive. Where does that rank in most managers' attitudes? Well, I think there's there's two aspects of safety. Philosophically, okay. it's a 100. I've never met a CEO who said, I would love to kill more workers, but I just can't <laughs> afford to. But on the other hand, right. when you look at the practicality and operationally, I I have seen some, some companies out there that uh, I would say are in the low 60s as far as what they oh what they say at the top, and they mean it, is one thing. What's going yeah. on on the shop floor is, or shop floor or trains, um, your, um, depots, et cetera, is a completely different thing. Before we get into it, you know, it, it's terrifyingly clear that uh, safety for Mr. Phil LeDuc is not just some trade niche. This is a personal crusade with you. And could you tell us briefly what pushed you into this passionate advocacy and uh, where, where are you fighting the good, the good fight, fight currently? Well, a lot of people have described me as angry, and and that's probably uh, probably fairly accurate. Uh, I don't know that I would say crusader, but I was not pushed into this. Um, I didn't see uh, a light. I wasn't knocked off uh, uh, my ass on, on the road to Damascus and and had this epiphany <laughs> that, that too many workers were dying. Um, right, right. I was working in organizational change, uh, specializing in taking companies from entrepreneurships to professionally managed companies when an, a colleague had said, look, we need you on this project. And I said, okay, tell me a little bit about it. He said, well, it's safety. I said, nope, let me stop you right there. I want no part of it. I'm in the right, business yeah. of change, and safety professionals are in the business of keeping things exactly the way they've always done them. They are change adverse. And so he kept pulling and pulling and saying, really, that's what we are looking for. We're looking for somebody who understands how to change a culture. So I didn't see much of a leap from changing a culture from an entrepreneurial culture to a professionally managed, from a safety um, by the numbers count the bodies to one that prevented injuries. So I, right. I joined and... Uh, I met a lot of terrific, intelligent, smart people that cared about safety. But throughout my career, I've also met a lot of really stupid um, safety professionals. And that's really what the the name of I Know My Shoes Are Untied, Mind Your Own Business comes from, is I walk around 90% of the time with my shoes untied. I've fallen three times, I've stumbled three times in my life. I had to, I had safety <laughs> professionals tell me tie your shoes until I finally went out and got loafers. 
I'm not advocating <laughs> walking around with your shoes that are untied. But let's face it, how many people have died because their shoes were untied? Versus yeah. them saying not saying to somebody, Hey, you're you're up working twenty feet, you don't have proper equipment and if you fall, you're gonna make a big splash where the floor used to be. And right, right. I don't mean to be, be glib, but that, that kind of stupidity just drives me crazy. So why oh, another one that, that every safety professional I've ever talked to, um, they're passionate about, they crusade is always use the handrail. Don't right, touch a handrail. Right, right. I worked in healthcare. They, they 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 have hand sanitizer everywhere and tell you the purpose of a handrail is to have your hand hovering above it so that if you lose your balance, you can catch yourself. Right. Yeah, we have people worrying about that, that kind of minutia and missing the big picture. They're they're taking the easy road. And that's not all yeah, safety yeah. professionals, obviously. There's a lot of really great um, safety professionals out there. But there's also a lot of people who were too inept at their job, but they're a nice person, so they didn't want to fire them. And they said, yeah. hey, why don't we make you the safety guy? Yeah, yeah. I think this is this is one of the things that uh, it is uh, that the position itself uh, is not given – uh, the value that it, it truly deserves. I mean, I, I feel that generally in the business community, an, an attitude adjustment is required. And uh, I, I mean, but, but so what would you say to me? I'm a, I'm a business owner. I'm in fierce competition. I'm trying to save every dollar, squeeze out highest productivity. And I just sort of see workplace safety, regardless of how good the, the professional is, I see workplace safety as just one more sea anchor slowing down my boat. Uh, so if I do get really involved in a safe workplace, what's in it for me, the company owner, the guy who's who's trying to uh, keep and make a living here? Well, I had one customer, and I, unfortunately I can't disclose an awful lot of of specific information as to who it was because nobody wants oh, sure. to talk about injuries. Uh, one of the worst performers in North America, workers' comp was at $6.5 million dollars. That's encumbered dollars, uh-huh. so you have to put that into an account. You can't touch it. And um, we came in, and after a year, we got that number down to $1.5 million. So that's a $5 million. Now, we, we did some analysis and progression, and they were trending year over year an, an additional $6 million. So they were going to double in a year at the rate they were going. Right. We reversed that trend, threw them the keys, and said, now you know how to do this. The last I checked with them, they were down to under 500000 in costs. And, in Whoa. fact, when we had the Great Recession hit, I got a phone call from, from, the, from a um, senior leader at them and said, you're the reason we didn't go out of business. Because now, not no. only do we have this money, but now we have our reserves are lower, so we have less. No one could get credit, but now all of a sudden they were able to take that money and use it. So I, I think that any CEO that doesn't recognize the cost of injuries is not taking a close enough look at there being um, 
pound wise and are penny wise and pound foolish. So Absolutely I would say right. that, I think, and I, I would even take it further and say that safety is or injuries are symptomatic of a poorly run business. Mm-hmm. If, if mm-hmm. nobody's, yes. if you, if I've seen companies that they've got terrific um, quality and great productivity and uh, happy workers, um, high competency, I don't see many injuries. It's a sign of sloppiness. You're you're right. Uh, if you if you have just joined us, you're listening to the Art of the CEO Radio, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams sleekly like a toothy crocodile through the mysterious miasma of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes, particularly this one, by listening to by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We are on several live radio stations and a whole host of internet streams. But if you visit theartoftheceo.com, that's the easiest way to get all our episodes. Now, Phil, I I think what you've just told me about being able to 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 literally uh, bring down the costs and literally keep yourself in business is good. Uh, but I um. I think there's a there's a trap in all of this, and, and that is, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, well, uh, I to, just to show you my age a bit, when I uh, was a very young editor, uh, I was sent out uh, when uh, OSHA, uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, first became law, and I sat in this huge hall of business owners, all glowering hate at a stage full of government sages, trying to explain to, to these companies what they're going to have to do to comply and how how painless and there was also a fine in there for that was fifty thousand dollars for killing an ocean inspector, which I thought was fascinating. But anyway, that was the seventies, and is this? And I think there's a there's a trap of falling into the compliance only style of safety. Is is that still pervasive in in the uh, business in business? It's really kind of a continuum. Uh, at first, when you have an entrepreneurship you have zero regard for safety. You know, you, you've got right. the, a bunch of people throwing widgets out the door as quickly as you can. And if someone says, we don't yeah, want a yeah. widget, we want to want it, you, you all of a sudden are in that business as well. And they don't even think right. about um, safety. And often they're so small that they're under any regulatory um, oversight anyway. Then they right. become more mature and as they do, they start to, to worry about regulation. We, if an OSHA inspector came in here, what might happen? So they get mm-hmm. caught up in the regulation. OSHA doesn't help. Um, requires them to, to give them what we call lagging indicators, which are, you know, how many um, how many uh, wreaths have you given out? How many how many uh, uh, people got injured or or killed? Right. So instead uh-huh. of more proactive. Then they progress from there to a, if these dumb workers would just do what we tell them, we would not have any injuries. Well, that turns into what we we, um, um, have spoken on another occasion about, what what becomes the the blood in the pocket syndrome, where someone doesn't want to report a injury because they know it's going to be their fault. From there, companies yeah. tend to grow into a more systems approach and say, okay, yeah, maybe that person did make a stupid decision, 
But what was it in that moment, in that context, that made that person think that it was safe to behave in that way? And then finally, yeah. they start. You get to an, a point where um, I, I, I call it uh, constant dissatisfaction. The safest companies in the world, it's almost taboo to mention how safe they are, because they say, "Hey, right. you know, don't don't kid yourself. We still have a lot of risk," and so they start to see safety as a business risk. And they really see it as a business element that's a value. You know, we don't want to hurt people, yeah, but yeah. it's also, um, you know, it's not just because we love them. We know that, that safety is a banner that everyone can get behind and follow. Yeah, yeah, right. You you talk about the proactive, and I think that that's very vital, Uh and we want to talk about that as as we move on. But uh, before we take a break, uh, Phil, you are uh, you're you're an internationally renowned expert and prolific writer on on workplace safety. And uh, could you tell the folks tell tell uh, that fellow listening there who really is, is is catching your message? How can he get a copy of your book and keep up with your latest writings? Well, it's uh, available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, and also I would I would recommend highly uh, anybody who's buying it outside of uh, North America um, to buy it from their local um, Amazon site because otherwise yeah, the postage well, gets course, insane. Yeah. Right. And also I write a weekly blog which is um, just Phil Duke. It's www www.philaduke.wordpress.com That's P-H-I-L-L-A-D-U-K-E? Right. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. Okay. It, it well, does look funny. Um, when I, every time I see it, it looks funny to me. It, uh, well, but you do want to read the blog because it uh, it's not he, – he shows what's wrong, but he also shows a way to fix it, and I, I heartily recommend it to you all. So with your head swimming and your heart moved by the dire and cogent solutions of worker safety from Philaduke, I believe it is truly time to take a brief sorbet and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you nurture that dream, take that one quietly residing great idea that you've got, and give it just one little nudge forward? Or will you continue to sacrifice your precious time to the routine and perceived demands of others? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And the second utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. And so here I am thumbing through with marvelous alacrity. And here we are. Uh, Today we're selecting number uh, 69. Faith is the primary destroyer of new startups. But to give credit, she gets an awful lot of help from poor planning. (laughs) What about it, Phil? Have you seen a hefty share of ventures swirl down the tubes from poor planning? 
Uh, absolutely. And the biggest um, element of poor planning is failing to recognize when it's time to hand over the reins to a professional manager uh, from being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I would think so. I it, it's good. It's it's a good point. Um, and I, for for my own afterthought on that, it's just despite all the hype, there there really exists no guaranteed recipe for success. But with a little help from friends and a lot of employment of your gray cells, well, we can all better the odds. And and by employing uh, those those friends, those are the people, the, the professional people, and finding the right people at the for what you need. And if you're smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips books, and you will discover how your world of wit centers you glowingly amidst all your orbiting and adulating co-workers or whatever. I don't know. I'm blithering on here. And as your third utensil, let's move. We sumptuously spoon to you the answer of last week's business quotation. That is the name of the individual who said, don't stay in bed unless you can make money in bed. Those words were spoken by none other than the lifelong and very active entertainer and comedian, Mr. George Burns. So congratulations to all your winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting your way comes yet another uh, enriching quotation. And if you're among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul's igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to Phil Duke's advice for forging a safer, a safer and a, a more worthy environment for our workers, allow me to introduce you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is... Prometheus Publishing, which invites you to take a look at its latest guide. And, well, let me ask, would you like a guide that gives you personally the ability to, to grow like Google, to bounce back from failures like Microsoft, to profit from compassion like the marvelous Pope Francis, and find all that fun that nobody, that everyone, that no one else seems to be having and you really think you deserve. Well, CEO of yourself is the volume, and it arms you with a set of old-fashioned solutions that have been neglected too long. All those proven elements of character, principles, endurance, and unbridled enthusiasm, they help you roll up your sleeves, blow away today's fog of devices and distractions, and set the enterprise of you the enterprise of you on an honest and joyful path. So pick up your copy of CEO of Yourself. You can get it at Amazon, and you can get it at bartsbooks.com. And why not take the helm and get down to the business of your more rewarding life? Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with our utensils in hands, and pick up your personal lust for profit and your preemptive uh, well-managing mind and... Let's set back to the feet of Phil LaDuke as he sighs down the chaff and gets to the uh, real heart of workplace safety. Phil, uh, you've talked about uh, the, the blame uh, being shifted to the workers from management. In, in your book, you talk a lot about safety accountability. And I just wonder about the, the, uh, 
there is some blame that can be placed on, on the workers themselves. I mean, I've seen guys toiling away with the, the goggles and air protectors off to the side, ladders not tied on, electricity being rewired while the power is still on, the, the whole drill. Um, and so I was wondering, uh, how do I, how would I get my guys to tie off, clip on, turn off, and, and start wearing to save, to save their lives when they don't? Well, it's an interesting question and one that is hotly debated within safety. But you have to remember mm. that not all behavior is cognitive. I mean, we do right. We make mistakes all day long. Um, mm. There are different kinds of behaviors. So, so, for instance, there's human error. Now, it's not very fair to punish someone for something that they didn't intend to do. Then you right. have risk-taking. Right. And risk-taking is impossible. You can, you, you, it's impossible to live and do your job without taking some risks. And I'm not talking yeah. shortcuts. Yeah. I'm talking you're short of parts or there's an emergency rush order or something didn't go on. So something, you're working out a process that introduces risk. Then right. there is right. what I think you're talking about is just plain recklessness where someone has disregarded their own safety. And I hate to say this, but the only answer there is to fire the person because mm-hmm. it's not always them who gets killed. Too often, yeah. someone behaves recklessly. They come out unscathed, but they've run over a coworker with a, a cement mixer or they've cut a, a tree branch and it fell on a co-worker um, because they were doing something stupid. And there's also things that even though human error isn't something that is intended, there are plenty of activities like coming in hungover or sleep uh, uh, deprived or any number of things that you can manage in your personal life to keep you less likely to make those mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And I I see what you're saying. Actually, you you talk quite a bit in in your book and this is this is one of my uh big things that uh, cuz it it happens at at all levels of industry whatever the job, sleep deprivation. Could you tell us a little bit about the the problems it's causing and and any any solution? I mean, obviously the solution is to get more sleep, but I mean, any uh, any processes that you could say that would help uh, that would help out with with dealing with that? Well, it, first of all, it's a huge problem. Uh, studies have shown, recent studies have shown that someone who is sleep deprived is as um, impaired, both in judgment and um, in physical dexterity, as someone who's legally drunk, legally intoxicated. Mm. So, you know, you ask yourself, is it worth having a shift of people who are drunk working (laughs) that last shift, which is effectively what's happening when you're running 12-hour shifts seven days a week to stay ahead of it. Somewhere along the lines, we lost sight of the fact that uh, the 40-hour work week isn't just a perk, but is necessary for workers to remain resilient, get proper rest, so that, uh, and also to be able to rebound quicker 
from illnesses and the research out there is it's just huge as far as um, what working your you know you're working your workers literally to death they get their immune yeah. system gets compromised they're they're doing the the only answer I can see is to try to get use that productivity that we're all trying to squeeze out every ounce of productivity and use that to make up the time that you would lose by letting the people go home at a reasonable time and yeah. don't yeah. work to death. And to coach people. When you see somebody who comes in and they're obviously, um, you know, dragging, you, you should know your people. And if you don't, shame on you. But, but intercede and say, look, are you, I need you to fit for work. And you don't seem fit to work um, in the shape you're in. Yeah, I think that that is wonderful. I think that is a quill pen moment, and I, I wish Phil has just brought up uh, a timeless truth of business that it's not what you're really getting at is it's not how long you work that is the highest production. It is how well, and we need to keep everybody working toward those peak times of performance and beyond that it's just foolish and i thank you for bringing that up phil it's really so important uh, i know there are a lot of companies doing it wrong and but uh and and i know there's a lot of nations who are not handling it well but i was wondering if you could uh as, as before we sign off could you could you give us one nation that you see who is approaching workplace safety with an enlightened and profitable attitude or system, and could you also give us one company that you see is is doing is doing the same and 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 uh, tell us their results? Uh, Bart, can I can I ask that I give you two countries and no specific sure. company because confidentiality That's being fine. what it you is. Go right ahead. Um, the companies mm-hmm. aren't aren't like I said. It, it's almost a taboo to we, say we that we need truth, not boxes. Safe. So give us so give us truth. So uh, I would say Australia is doing an awful lot and they're and and maybe leading the world in in the research and and workplace uh application of solutions regarding uh worker fatigue but they they are working very hard to in Australia to help companies get it right instead of regulating them into getting it right and the other is Canada uh, Canada does uh, offers a ton of uh resources free resources for for uh, uh companies to use um free training etc and they they don't have that you mean regulatory for safety, safety training or 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 for, for safety training in specifically yes uh safety training and, and so those two do a wonderful job and I know that because I I write for several safety magazines in the UK and they don't all want to see U.S. statistics they want to see from around the world. So I go to these sites, and they're wonderful resources, whether you live in those countries or not, to show you that it is possible to get it right. Okay. Well, I thank you so much. This has been this has been very enlightening and and uh, sort of scarily informative for me, and I and I know the rest of our uh, our people as well. Uh, I just. Uh, want to ask one more thing before you take off and that sure. is you have as of Saturday put another book to bed could you uh tell us the title and when and tell us uh when we might be able to uh get our greedy little hands on it 
Well, the title of the book is Lone Gunman, Rewriting the Handbook on Workplace Violence Prevention. Uh, it should be out. We're hoping to have it uh, available for purchase by the end of the year. Um, it's at the publisher now, and uh, um, it's in, it is not in response to the spate of violence that's happened. Actually, I, I wrote it before that, and then all of this, these recent uh, events start happening. Um, I sure don't want to seem like I'm, I'm being um, a, a scavenger or a hyena and capitalizing no. on human misery, but anything that we can do to prevent it. And that one is, is not an angry book as much as a here's how to get it right right from the beginning. Okay, so what you're doing is offering tools uh, to people to prevent what uh, is, is is so horrific and so unnecessary. Phil, sure. And what thank I just you wonder is it, much, uh, Oh yeah. It begins it I'll, I'll give give a a, a free uh preview. Okay. Workplace violence prevention begins at recruiting. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So good. So you got to oh, think about that when point. bringing people on. So you mean that I have to as a good HR person, it's some things are more important than knowing whether the shoes are shined or the pants are pressed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Phil, thanks very much for coming on. I'm, uh, we're going to have to have you back when when the book comes out. When the new book comes out, you're going to uh, can, you, can we? I hope we can seduce you back and and uh, have you tell us all about it and, and offer some of the same sage advice, same kinds of sage advice that you've given us today. So thank you very absolutely, much. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me on, and hopefully uh, the listeners will will find some value in what we've done here today. I'm sure they will. Thanks, Phil. And so as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who said, agriculture is a business that has been up to its bib overalls in politics since the first Thanksgiving dinner kickback to the Indians for subsidizing pilgrim maize production with fish head fertilizer grants. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Anyway, the the author the, it was this enigmatic political satirist pens poisons both sides of the aisle with volumes including his the, uh, its famous "Give War a Chance." And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that author's name down, send it right off to info at bartsbooks dot com to win an absolutely soul changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Book Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, it never ceases to amaze me how many people think that leadership is a precious perk that should be reserved for only those of a certain rank. Hmm. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Phil and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time. May I say, as always, it's been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>